If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals achievements. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive of the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Hey coaches, TJ here. Are you tired of not having a clear roadmap or blueprint for how you get better as a coach? I've spent countless hours searching the web and coaching videos. I've subscribed to dozens of emails to get ideas on how to get better. And I've even been to every coach's clinic imaginable to try and piece together how to be more successful. I've ended up with notebooks and computer files packed with millions of drills, plays, and nuggets of wisdom, but there's no clear game plan for how to use them or how to know what might be missing. Getting better shouldn't be this hard. You shouldn't have to sort through all this clutter to get what you really need. You deserve to have the game plan, the resources, and the experts you need at your fingertips. And you should have all of these things when you need them most. And that's why we spent the past year creating a new program for coaches called Key 5 Coaching. It's a one-stop shop for all coach education, inspiration, and support you need to get better as a coach. We recently opened up 500 membership spots to our PGC coaching community and the spot sold out in less than 36 hours. So you can't get in presently, but I highly recommend adding your name to the wait list for when we allow additional coaches to get in. Just go to key5coaching.com and take 30 seconds to sign up for the wait list. You can read all about the key five pillars of coaching while you're there. That's key5coaching.com. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle. I'm your host, Adam Bradley, normally alongside TJ Rosine, but today I'm going solo as I am joined by Randy Henderson, the head coach at Washington University here in St. Louis of the women's basketball program. Listen, Randy, so impressed with you. I love following your career. We've known each other for a handful of years. Washington University, the legendary, the prestigious uh, school here in St. Louis. You took over a program, you are now going into your fourth, third. third year, going into your third year, but you took over a program that you're only the third coach, I believe, in the mm-hmm. history of this program. Yeah. And they have won national championships, and they've been extremely successful. You step into an environment like that, as do a lot of coaches where they're taking over for something that's already pretty good. Talk about the pressure three years ago of you stepping into this role, knowing what's expected of you. Mm-hmm. Well, I took over for, I think, the only Division Three women's basketball head coach that's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, she won 85% of her games here. Uh, she was here for 30-some years and uh, just a phenomenal coach. Uh, she is now turning a program around at Illinois, so she definitely knows what she's doing. But uh, the pressure... Um, well, I, you can add to that that I had a baby in the middle of my first season, and uh, so you, you, it, was you that earlier. it was definitely a, a interesting year. Um, but I think and side note: before yeah. you only missed, you, you're you're being very humble with this because we talked about this before. You got the job. You were pregnant. You found out you were pregnant. That December, you had your baby. In the middle of the season, you only missed one practice. Mm-hmm. Only missed one practice. Yeah, so you I, never I, actually missed a game. No, incredible. I, I had Zeke on December fifteenth, and I was coaching in a gym on December twenty sixth. Unbelievable. So, um, yeah, he just figured it out. But the, I think the pressure, you know, 
obviously there were some really good players here, and I don't really look at pressure like, uh, I don't know, it just doesn't bother me like that, I guess. What I look at is, am I doing things the right way, and am I treating people the right way? Uh, and so when I get, went into this situation, it was an opportunity to, to be at a phenomenal school with a phenomenal program, but you know, at the end of the day, for us, this is a family decision. St. Louis is diverse. Uh, it's a bigger city for us. Uh, it's a really good program. It's an academic school where, for me as a coach, I really wanted to have a, a situation where I was coaching where academic Academics were highly valued, uh, and you know the pressure to win uh, is is just the result of doing things the right way and treating people the right way. So that's what I went into. I, I honestly probably spent my first year just kind of learning and, and absorbing what was so I could figure out how I wanted to make adjustments. Um, they had a very tightly uh, run ship. <laughs> And uh, definitely things that they wanted, some adjustments. We had a lot of conversations with uh, the upperclassmen just to kind of see what they liked and what they didn't like and things that they wanted to see different and then trying to figure out how to put my footprint into uh, what has notoriously been uh, a powerhouse. So talk about that dynamic because most coaches take over programs that are struggling, Mm -hmm. right? So they can come in and they can implement their footprint from day one and it's welcomed, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's like, we need this. We've been struggling. Not saying you're... You know, you making your mark on this program wasn't welcomed. Of course it was. They hired you, right? But there was there's a lot of people, maybe players included, that would say, but we were already successful. We don't mm-hmm. need to change this. Why are we changing anything? We've won 85% of our games, right? So for you, talk about that balance. Because I'd imagine it would be easier if you came into a program that had been struggling to say, this mm-hmm. is now what we're going to do. Trust me. Let's go. Um, so interestingly enough, you said the word trust, and uh, I think that that is I've done I've done both now. I've gone and taken over really really terrible places that haven't won. Like I think my first head job, they hadn't won in like seventy six straight wins or something well, like this. Like it, yeah. and yeah, that's pretty bad. At Co, when I was there, I think they hadn't had a winning season in forever, if ever. And uh, then I came here, and they only win. Uh, and so I think the. There's not a lot of difference between the bottom and the top. Uh, I think as a coach, it's your responsibility to build trust. And so that is what takes time. And, you know, if you want your players to enjoy their experience, you have to understand your players. And uh, they have to be also willing to open up to you. And so um, I think from taking it from the bottom to the top or the top to sustaining the top, it's still about the same thing. It's about trust. Mm. And um, did I get that right away here? No. I mean, they're definitely used to doing things a certain way. And, uh, there's things that I did very differently, both as leadership and basketball on the floor. And, you know, it took a long time to get that trust. And, and some of them probably are just now post-graduation realizing that I actually meant what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you know, when I took over those programs that were down uh, at the time, it still took trust. Like that, it's not just like, yeah, let's do this. Right. Like I think I went nine straight games without winning a game at co. Uh, so it's not like all <laughs> All of a sudden, you're you as a head coach. I could go in there and I could cram my cram my way into them, but it has to be our way. It's not my way. It's our way, and that's I think what makes uh, one a fun experience. But it makes it what keeps it interesting, and it creates buy-in. This is our way. So, let me just ask you: with with the type of success that you took over, was there any type of entitlement within the players when you first took over? They just felt like success is who we are, what we are. Right? This is just what we do. We just roll out there and we're successful. 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's a. I think that's a maybe a habit a lot of people have in general. Uh, I think getting people to understand what work looks like uh, and feels like. Like work looks like something. Work feels like something. There's there's a responsibility to your opportunities and your talents and your time to put in everything that you have into those moments. And uh, winning doesn't just happen. Uh, and, you know, when you're in a place that has won a lot of games, it's kind of just like on repeat. And what I noticed was that there was very, very little ownership to the process. Uh, they just did what they were told because they were told. So like communication, mm. for instance, they were not communicating any information, but they were talking the entire time on the floor. They didn't understand like why they were talking to their teammates necessarily. And so it was, this, is, this is just what we do. This is why, this is what we do. This is what you're going to do. This is what they tell everybody else they have to do. Um, and so that that ownership of that experience and the why behind the what was really missing when you're in like a kind of a factory that has just been on repeat, um, which again, super successful. And once you have, you know, your leadership built, maybe that can continue to be like that. I have never experienced that by the way that I lead with teams, but uh, it definitely was uh, a process where I thought, do you even know why you're saying yeah bears? I never thought about it before. It's probably a response you got. Because <laughs> well, we were told we had to say, yeah, bears. <laughs> so you've had success even in the, the three years already, right? Last year, I believe you won the conference, correct? We did, and we went to the Elite Eight. Yeah, so great. I mean, su success is still here. This year's mm -hmm. team looks significantly different, right? Mm -hmm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, one senior, mm -hmm. 10 freshmen on the mm -hmm. team. And this is your second recruiting class. Mm -hmm. So... I'd say 95% of the players are people you've brought in mm -hmm. to this program. Talk about this dynamic of a single senior with freshman dominant majority mm -hmm. and the cha the challenge of this year versus other years. Well, every year is challenging. I think this year um, in particular, I have 10 freshmen that are battling homesickness, overwhelmed academics, learning uh, new friends, learning new social situations. Uh, and homesickness is real. Homesickness is really very real <laughs> uh, and probably one of the hardest things that these young people go through uh, many of them for the first time leaving home in a substantial way since we're uh, we have kids from all over the country on this team. You really only have like two from St. Louis. Mm -hmm. I went around and asked mm -hmm. each one and they're all over. Oh yeah and so they homesickness is a your, real your thing. Your recruiting stretches far. Oh yeah maybe. they have um, I think you know something that you don't think about when a lot of these kids they're dealing with homesickness is the hardest academic rigor that they have ever experienced they're being challenged by basketball players like they've never been challenged before so these freshmen came into something that they used to feel super successful at academics uh, friendships and athletics mm -hmm. and they are not feeling success at any capacity uh, and so their first few weeks is tough their first few months are tough like they are just now starting to feel like I can maybe do this <laughs> Uh, and so just getting them to um, the amount of conversations I've had with these guys just about their time management, where they're putting their time, how they're organizing their day, how they're getting to and from places. You know, some of the freshmen, they're saying, uh, well, after class, I have to go back to my dorm to get my stuff to come back here. And that's a extra 40 minutes going to the dorm and back. Well, why don't you just bring your stuff here after lift? Oh, that makes sense. Like things that they're just there's so much that they're learning uh, that they, they could really probably care less if they caught the ball with two hands right now. <laughs>
And, and this is something you're having to do a lot more of this year than my guess last year or the year before, right? So like you've oh, had yeah. to shift your whole mindset into a more of a nurturing type. Mm-hmm. Is that an accurate word? It could be. Could yeah, be wrong. I think, you know, I had seniors last year that were very successful uh, on the floor and in the classroom and uh, had a routine that they liked to follow and they knew exactly how they wanted things to look. And uh, so for their junior and senior year, they played a majority of the minutes and, you know, they had uh, this legacy that they wanted to make sure that they were leaving, uh, respecting the former coach and the former ways of doing things. And, um, you know, they, they, the interesting thing about that is that I had my first, first two classes, the first class I didn't recruit, but they were still my first class. And they would get, these upperclassmen would get upset with me because I kept treating the freshmen different. Um, and they would say, you know, you're not holding them to the same expectations as you're holding me. And I said, do you remember what it was like to be a freshman? being a freshman is hard enough. Like I'm not here to yell at them. I'm here to yell at you. And they're going to learn from that because one day that's going to be them. But right now what they need to do is they need to survive and they need to make it home for Christmas where they can get presents and good food (laughs) and come back. (laughs) I will always treat a freshman different. And you know, I really always treat players different. And so I had to have one of those was one of the first hard conversations I had with my team. And that's not a bad thing. Right, I feel like there's a stigma to like treat some players differently than others. You don't do that, coach. Some people yeah. think that. You a disagree. lot of people. I do disagree because every person is different. And if I treated every person on my team the same way, uh, what service am I doing to any of those people? But, but it's not that you're. Are you changing standards, or it's just? Is it more of your approach? Is it more of? What is it exactly? I think it's how I how I hold them accountable, the conversations that I have. Uh, an upperclassman, I might be more apt to say, you need to pull your head out of your butt today. A uh, freshman, I might pull them aside and say, hey, what's going on uh, on the side? Um, and they might not see it because I'm not saying it directly to them in front of everyone, but uh, I might call them into my office. Uh, you know, so it's a, it's a different way of having the same types of conversations. Your freshman, your sophomore year, you're like literally learning how to be yourself. You're learning who you are who you want to be the things that you're interested in that you didn't know before like there's so much going that on 18 to 19 to it's 20 critical. Is very critical right and they're emotional and they don't know anything <laughs> they used to know who they wanted to be and now it's totally you know they're exposed <laughs> to different people in different places and different opportunities and it's like those are the times where it's like how can i help you figure this out so i can hold you accountable to who you want to be all right let's take a quick break halftime talk with our friends over teams now we'll jump back into the second half of this conversation Thanks to our friends of our team, Snap, for today's halftime communication tip. This week, coaches, as you go through your practices, as you go through your upcoming games, I'd like for you to communicate with the goal to connect. Communicate to connect. Have a purpose behind your communication. Find ways to dig deeper, to build stronger connections through your communication this week. Go in with a goal. Go in with a purpose. Communicate to connect. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app being used by over 15 million people across the globe, helping bring everyone from coaches, parents, and players all together and get on the same page all season long. That's TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. Randy, you said something earlier to me that caught my attention. I would love for you to elaborate on a lot of times these freshmen come in and they don't really know what it looks like to work from Mm -hmm. a basketball standpoint. They thought they did, Mm -hmm. right? But then they step into certain environments and they realize their work isn't the work that's Mm -hmm. actually needed. 
Talk about how that comes to surface, how they actually come to that revelation. Mm -hmm. Wow, I need to work harder. And how do you communicate specifically, like, this level of work is not good enough? Well, I can even speak on my behalf of my playing experience. I thought I was really good in high school. And I mean, whatever, I got to college and I wasn't very good. (laughs) And uh, it just takes time, you know, and that's part of what's hard about playing young people is that they don't know what they don't know. Uh, And so for us, we needed games and we needed games against really good teams. And we played, uh, we have played some really good teams. Our first game was against Loris, a top 25 team. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we're trying to prep them for the pressure and the press that they're going to throw at us. And uh, I'm getting mad at practice because I know that they we're not going hard enough against each other because it's not going to get us ready and then what happens? We turn the ball over 26 times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes experience is life's greatest teacher uh, you know. and as a parent I am learning that all the time that I can't protect them and I can't prepare them for everything sometimes you just have to let them learn I was going to say, can you teach the experience or does it, does it have to happen through the process? You, you, If you're fortunate enough to have upperclassmen, you can kind of teach some of that in uh, a practice I think because they know what it takes and so they can bring a different level of intensity to what they're doing uh, but otherwise uh, it's really hard to replicate what it takes to uh, win at a high level and so we lost a game to DePaul who is a really good ranked team I think they're in the top 10 right now and uh, we played with them the entire game we just couldn't keep them off the glass uh, so you know in practice I'm telling them we're not boxing out we're not crashing hard enough but you know until they get they think they are right and until it happens and they see it and they're like oh man that's what I look like <laughs> Did they respond well? So far, these guys have responded to every um, every teaching moment that we've had, an opportunity to teach. We've gotten better, and um, they're young and coachable, and that has made it super fun. Uh, they've taken film. They've taken some hard teaching and hard um, criticisms and put them into practice, and um, you know, even some of my – Leaders that have been a little bit more hesitant or reserved are starting to kind of come uh, step outside themselves and understand like uh, that they that our team just needs it. Like there's not a lot of time. I had a couple of conversations with some of the freshmen. Like, why are you uh, not talking as much in practice? Well, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. And I said that leadership has no level and has no age here. Like it's not about playing time. It's not about experience. Leadership. If you are a leader, you lead. That's your responsibility. Not everybody has that gift. Mm. Uh, and so, um, have just you, have you found yourself speaking of leadership though, like putting additional responsibility on that senior? Just out of curiosity, Mm-mm. no. Um, I think for her, her best. So again, I think every player here is a leader. Agree. Uh, and so I don't treat. I, we don't have captains. We don't. We don't do any of that. I want these kids to become the best version of themselves, whoever that is that they want to be. Um, for Tina, who is our senior, uh, she's not a natural gym leader. She's not going to corral the group. She's not going to motivate the group. Uh, but she can lead us in her effort and her communication on the floor, like showing people what it's like. To to be consistent and steady uh, no matter what, uh, what it's like to communicate at a high level, what that looks like and sounds like. And she has done that every single day for us. Um, and so for her to be at her best for us, she she doesn't actually have the capacity to go much outside that. She's like really good at organizing stuff. Like if I need stuff done in a timely manner. Well, but Well, I love that, right? Because you're, you're having them stay in their lane, right? And, and this is their strength. And a lot of times we just assume the senior, right? And the reason I asked you this, because I find that most coaches would just naturally go to that senior and say, hey, you know you're the only senior. Like, we need this, this, this from you. And they put this additional responsibility Mm -hmm. on them. And I just wanted to see how you approached it. And I like the way you're approaching it when you're recognizing, well, 
I'm not going to ask her to like perform in ways and, and demonstrate responsibilities and leadership that she that just aren't her. Right. Right. And we're a team. We're co- we'll collectively find the people that can get mm-hmm. us going in the gym and corral us and huddles right. and such like that. It doesn't have to be her because she's a senior. And the reality is that's going to be a different person every day because everybody has different things that they're going through in life. And if you don't have that ability to adjust to a different kind of leadership or a different kind of voice, then you're you're lying to yourself about what your ability is. I also think leadership is no different than player roles. Uh, player ro- Players have very specific skill sets that they uh, can bring to the team, and if they want to stretch their skill set, they have to put in the work. I think leadership is the exact same thing. Like, I am totally comfortable. If you want to lead the gym, you got to put in the work to lead the gym. What does that look like? That looks like investing in your teammates. You want to you invest in your teammates. You're going to earn the right and responsibility. Uh, and so, to me, it's we do role when we do our player role meetings. It's about your leadership role, your leadership growth, your player roles, and your player growth. Uh, and there's no difference to me. Like you want to be the best at what you do, you have to really be disciplined to your craft and be disciplined to your strengths. So it's safe to say that you put heavy emphasis on leadership development and culture development within this program. Just over the conversations that you and I have had over the last week or so, you've got multiple things that you're, you're doing. It's a major intentionality. Speak to that, right? A lot of coaches, it's still just touched on, mm-hmm. right? Maybe they bring in a guest speaker on occasion and hope that random motivational talk sticks, right? Mm-hmm. But you, you've, I don't know the full planning, but... It is a planned component within your program that I can tell that you've already said, you know, you're pursuing this. You've read this together. We had group discussions over here. There's a lead them up dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these different dynamics. It is part of this program fully intertwined. Yeah. I mean, I think that everybody, every team, probably if you went across the country, has core values. Um, what I think people forget to do is put actions into those core values. And, uh, you know, I think about everything that I do uh, and I say that I am or I say who I am or who I want to be. That looks like something. Well, what does that look like? Love looks like something. It's not a word. It has an action. And the same is uh, true to me with anything that you're trying to do. You want to win games. What does that look like? Like just because you say you want to win the conference, people will have that goal. Like, great. What does winning a conference actually look like? So I think for us, we really are trying to uh, unpack what it is that they want to be as a team. What matters to these guys? Uh, And, you know, I think personally, college basketball can be the best four years of your life or the the worst. And I want to be in the business of making it the best. And if I can teach those kids two things, a little bit about what it takes to be successful at things, uh, the discipline it takes and the hard work it takes, even when you don't feel like it uh, in your life and your relationships and how to have deep and meaningful relationships, I feel like they're going to leave here better than they came. for me, that's what it's about. Uh, and, you know, other coaches have different priorities and they'll put their focus on different priorities. Uh, I don't know how many times I have said to my players here, which is really hard at a high level, high achieving school, that value does not come from performance. Value comes from the work, the time and the investment you put into other people mm-hmm. and into what you want to do. It is not about the outcome, um, but getting high achievers to understand that is challenging. And, you know, for them, I think will be one of the most liberating things that they'll have going into their future careers. Mm-hmm. Well, you've done an incredible job. I'm always gauging the spirit of sessions that I host with teams because you can tell there's a positive spirit, mm-hmm. uh, uh, 
intense spirit, different spirits in the room, right? Whenever you, you participate and hang out and spend time with teams. And from the moment I walked into your group, right, I even said this to them, that I could tell that there was a spirit in the room where everyone really enjoys one another. They're willing to be vulnerable in front of one another. And this is even a young group, right? That's only going to continue to grow. And, and that's just credit to you and to Duez and what you all are building here. So. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Thank so you. Much. Yeah, you have a game here in a few. You've got to actually get ready to speak to the team like 45 minutes or maybe even less and do all your other stuff to get ready. So thank you so much. Um, I am Adam. Normally alongside TJ Rosine. Together we are the Hardwood Hustle. Until next time, we're out.